Welcome to season two, episode seven of the Staggies G podcast. Four pretty seething county fans for you to listen to for probably upwards of an hour this time. We've got a lot to talk about after a 3 2 loss to Livingston. Uh, the three joining me are Peter Hamry and Andy McIntosh, uh, making his debut from Twitter. Uh, welcome. Thanks for coming on. No, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, there's not really much to say apart from, well, first of all, shite, but two, uh, we should just get into it with the lineups. Uh, when the lineup came out, what were you think? What were you thinking? I I thought it was I thought it was fairly attacking. Um, considering what we've seen previously, we've always sort of had a Jordan Tilson or Cola in there. Um, but this time, Malky just went for Peyton and Callahan as a midfield two. Which surprised me a wee bit, but I I thought the team I thought it was a good team he selected, um, Hungbo starting White starting, so I thought it was good. Yeah, I think Hungbo and Charles Cook starting together on each wing, um, no matter, um, right. Well, obviously what what happened in the game happened, but they two need to be starting games for me, hundred percent. Yeah. I think the only thing for me was um, the big thing for me was was Minar Brewer keeping his place. Um, the rest of the team, no one's really stood out this season very much, apart from the obvious ones. So it's kind of a, a guess and just hope for the best with whatever team you put out. Yeah, we, we don't have a best eleven, do we? No, yeah, we really don't. Everything we've put out, put out has failed pretty much. Yeah, I think I I agree with Will as well. I think. You know, going off, I know we'll speak about it in a bit, but going off his performance, Maynard Brewer didn't, you know, fair enough, they only had three shots on target, but Maynard Brewer didn't make any saves in the game on Saturday. And again, I think you you will agree with me that I've not been convinced by him when I've seen him previously. And it just feels like a bit of a waste having Ross Laidlaw sitting on the bench, who we know can be so good for us. I thought Maynard Brewer's first game was great. But apart from that, since then it's been downhill. I think it's fair to say. I think yeah. the the game against Saint Mirren, um, he didn't put himself in a in a good light at all. I think he's been he's been to blame for quite a lot recently. But it's the first game for a while that you can look at Mina Brew and say the three goals he could do nothing about. So he didn't do anything wrong in that game at all. Fair enough. Uh, we'll get onto lineups and stuff later. And judging by that, I think we know uh, who we want in goals. But I guess uh, just getting onto the game <laughs> instead, in well, we try and put it off. We just can't. And to be fair, it starts well. Uh, Peter's put uh, brilliantly put in the notes. Uh, the first thing of note: Clark Thunderbastard on six minutes, which is true. Yeah, no, no other real way to sum it up. I think. He just, he's just—he's too good for us, really, to be honest, in my opinion. I, I mean, he's probably hating it up here, playing with a bunch of jobbers. But um, no, it was a great finish. Um, I didn't really expect him to hit it, to be honest. Um, we've not really seen that from him before. But, you know, for, for someone who's upper-claimed upper centre-back, it was an absolute class finish. That's, what, that's just what I was about to say. He's, he's really been playing out of position, isn't he? Because when he signed, he was... Uh, obviously signed as a centre half and he's he's playing at the right back position. If I remember rightly, he's actually originally he was a right midfielder that got moved back by Arsenal. So, no, oh, why wow, I didn't know that. 
I think he could probably play anywhere for us and be the best player on the park, to be honest. Maybe he's the answer to our striker problem. Do you know what? At this rate, I wouldn't mind it. I, I think anything's better than that, what we've got at the minute. Can, I can barely even argue, and he's a centre-back. Um, something that Pierce put in the notes, and I agree with, is that it flattens around 20 minutes. It's right, 15 minutes of really good play um, leading up to the almost leading up to the penalty, but it flattens a bit, and then Charles Cook wins the penalty. I don't think there's going to be much discourse around this. I think it's fairly stonewall, the first penalty. Yeah, it's just clumsy. Yeah. Clumsy and it's a clear penalty. Ah, I agree. Definitely a pen. Great play, also. Great job, and takes it to the line. He loves he loves that byline. Yeah, and I think he's... And again, we spoke about it, I can't remember if it was last week or whenever it was, but he does just seem to be getting better. And, you know, despite us as a team not getting better, he's continuing to show that he is a lot better than what we saw last season. And like you said, he actually, I thought he did do really well to, to win the penalty. Yeah, me too. I actually thought it was going out. I didn't think he'd be able to keep it in play, but he did, and he got bundled over and put in the ditch in front of the Livingston fans. Uh, but then Jordan White, who'd scored our only penalty so far this season, which was a good one, uh, past Alan McGregor, um, he puts this one in the same corner and gets it gets saved by Strijek. Um I'm sorry if I Great. That. I was just about to say I was about to praise your pronunciation there because that was dreadful. Right, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um uh I've lost my train of thought now. Uh but yeah, um you can't really argue against the guy who scored your only penalty in the season being taken off it until he misses, but when you see John White uh to take take that penalty, were you confident? I know it's easy to say with hindsight, but try and get yourself back to when you saw him step up, what were you thinking? In all honesty, I really wasn't because I just, I don't know, like I, like you mentioned earlier, Ramsey, the performance was flattening off and I was just thinking it would be, it would just be us to go and miss, you know, such a good opportunity to go and go to a lap. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I, I wasn't confident, but I always would back him because, you know, he's our only good half-decent striker at the moment. I don't think he looked particularly confident stepping up himself. He looked quite... His body language wasn't great going up for the penalty, I didn't think. Sorry. It was quite a poor penalty as well. Yeah, I thought... It was much, much conviction. It's just along the ground, sort of, you know... It was kind of obvious where he was going to go, what side he was going to go to. As a goalie standing there, you're probably... He's probably done his research anyway, and he can probably just look at him and see where he's going to go. Yeah, and because and because it's sorry, Ramsey, but and because it's not even that powerful, he can he's probably just got time to get down to it. Can't really argue with that. Uh, there was another penalty taker um, uh, that uh, later in the game that did score, who I thought was even worse, even though he did score. But we'll get onto that in a little while. Um, so next thing, the elephant in the room, we. <sighs> Someone who we thought was uh, in League One, never never to haunt us again, comes back with a cross. Mr. Sean Kelly, who apparently signed for Livingston as a centre-back, playing left-back for Livingston again in his natural position, puts in a great ball, to be fair, but 
my initial reaction when I see Iacovitti and Baldwin part like the Red Sea is that they've seen the new wide centre-back role in Football Manager and decided to do it without someone in between them, leaving the freedom of the six-yard box for Bruce Anderson to head beyond Maynard Brewer. Yeah, and I, I mean, initially, I, I don't think they're helped at all by Harry Clark, who just doesn't step out to Sean Kelly. He just kind of, I don't know what he's expecting him to do, but he doesn't step up to him, gives Kelly the freedom of the pitch. And then, to be fair to Sean Kelly, it's an absolutely terrific ball, and you can't really argue with a ball of that quality. But uh, yeah, like you said, Ramsey, really not good defending from the two centre-backs, in my opinion, just to let him ghost between them like that. Yeah, I, I think, sorry, uh, Will and Andy, um, just before you speak, I'm just gonna, like, Clark, to be fair, you are right. When I saw Clark not close down Kelly, I could kind of see what was going to happen. That's bad. But that kind of space, I can't even comprehend it. Like, what are you doing? Like, is this some kind of zonal marking thing that's been set up? I mean, there's two centre-backs and there's one up top and he's barely even a, a, what would be would be marked pre-match as a threat in the air and he's just been given the freedom. Do your job. Like, as shaky as Baldwin's been in his first couple games, his this a strength we've seen is free headers are fairly consistent and he's just in no-man's land. Like, Iakovic, bad as well obviously but and and he's the one who I think has lost him but you've got the captain in there you've got the one with the armband and they're just all at sea the, th- the thing for me is they're, they're obviously not speaking to each other or if they are then they're um, whoever's speaking to who isn't listening or if you go back to what you said about the zonal marking is, that's been taught in the training ground and it's it's clearly not working you look at when 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 you watch the game it's like because I've not been to a county game in person for since over a year but you watch them no one in that team shouts no one organizes not just the defense but the keeper doesn't the midfield don't nobody gets anyone to do anything they just look at each other I completely agree with that I think I was going to speak about it later but as soon as you brought it up I genuinely think that you know we don't have someone who's a natural captain you know Jack Baldwin's had the armband the past couple of games, I I haven't seen him, you know, demanding much off of his um of his teammates around him. I don't think he shouts. I don't think he's, you know, particularly aggressive enough to to be in that role, especially as a centre back being captain. Blair Spittle was captain. You know, you could argue that he drags the team up with his own performance because he plays so well on, on most occasions. Um, but I, yeah, I do think that's an issue that's kind of flies under the radar is the fact that. We don't have sort of an Andrew Davies esque captain anymore who will demand things, will demand such high standards. Even even someone in the middle of the park as well. There's not like a a Vigers or a a, a, a Britain going back to uh, obviously years ago. There's there's not no one in that midfield that's that's gonna gonna uh, go through people. I think. Yeah, we've tended to play. I'm going to focus on the midfield, uh, like a two in midfield behind the attacking midfielder, whether it be Peyton and Cancola, Peyton and Callahan, Peyton and Tilson. The, the partnerships we've seen, I haven't really clocked it until 10 seconds, well, a couple, like a minute ago when this conversation started. It's not, it's not really a partnership, is it? 
I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it almost seems like two individuals rather than players working together. Because I don't know if it's like a difference in styles or whatever. Because you have the obviously you have sitters and Tilson and uh, Cancola, and you have Pay a little further up. Um, I don't know. There really isn't that much communication, is there? No, I think a lot of the players in midfield when they get partnered up, they don't comp in terms of their style of play. They don't complement each other. Like Callaghan and Peyton, I think, is a bad matchup in centre midfield. There's no, <coughs> there's no graft in that midfield at all. There's no tackles. Uh, Callaghan does his best work um, near, near the opponent's penalty box, and Peyton's more of a. I don't know how I describe Peyton as a midfielder because he's not really particularly good at anything, or he's he's not bad at anything. He's just there. I think before this season, I would have described him more towards being like Callaghan and that he's you know, an attacking midfielder because, you know, last season he was playing basically like a second striker, but obviously this season, which angered me, he was given the number six top and now we're seeing him playing in a sitting midfield role. Um, And again, I kind of agree with you. Like, he, I know he's a good player, but he doesn't stand out at defending for me. So it's a weird one. And again, Callahan playing in that role, I think that's strange. Surely you just play Cancola, who's... Being signed as a more deep midfielder. Well, go, like speaking of Callahan, you look at Callahan last year for Hamilton, ten goals, and uh, like we're probably uh, I know in the same position with Hamilton fighting to stay up in terms of the two uh, where the two clubs are at. So why are we playing him in a defense and more defensive role when he's a proven goal scorer for a, a, a lesser team? Do you think it's going to be? Do you think the best thing then is a case of playing Calacam one of the sitters and Tilson and uh, or Cancola, and maybe even leave Peyton out? Uh, well, I, I can't. I can't fully judge because I've not been to a game uh, since the start of this season, which Fair I've enough. got my reasons for. We can get them. We can go into them if you want later on. But understood. Um, so I can't. I I'm just uh, obviously watching every, all the highlights. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. You can't have both uh, Peyton and Callahan just on their own. If you're going to do that, then you need a Concola or a Tilson in with them, in my opinion. And I'd agree, and I and I do agree. But then again, I think have Tilson or Concola in their own performance being good enough to merit even starting. And I, yeah, I, I don't think they right. probably have. So it's kind of a sticky situation. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, well, I I feel like this is um, this conversation will go on when we get onto when we get onto lineups. Uh, we're get, going off on a bit of a tangent here. <laughs> we did go two one down. Um, most people felt Ben Payton not uh, closing down, uh, not being tight enough, um, was the reason for Odin Bailey to get the space to curl. To be fair, be on Maynard Brewer. Um, it's a great finish, and I'm not even sure if it's the fault of Maynard Brewer, but I think Laidlaw saves this simply because he's bigger. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure. Initially, I questioned Maynard Brewer, um, but watching it watching it back is a really, really good finish. But then again, I, I really undecided on that because, again, it's not it's not really top corner. It just kind of bends around him. 
maybe you're right that Laidlaw would save it, and I would back Laidlaw in being better than just simply being a shot stopper. So I don't know. I think it's I think it's a wee bit harsh to to pin it on Maynard Brewer. Uh, I do agree. I think Ben Payton could do better, but then again, we've got to look at the facts. He's not a left back, so we've got to bear that in mind. I get some vibes of um, going back a couple of years when we used to play Mark Fitzpatrick at left back for County, and he was another centre midfielder playing left back. And at times it showed, and with Peyton for that goal, it shows because he, he's not sure if he should get tight or stand off. And that's a problem when you play players out of position that they, they don't know the rules like they should. And I also think um, Laidlaw would save that because Maynard Brewer is pretty close to it, and Laidlaw's bigger, so he'd probably get a hand to it. Um. So after that, we've got. We've gone two on down. And to be fair, I feel we might have understated how good a start it was. I was really hopeful after we scored the goal. And obviously, we could have gone uh, 2 0 up. Um, coming into halftime, uh, I probably ask this every game when we're losing at halftime. But um, what were your hopes like? How are you feeling? Um, I, well, obviously, miffed because we were 1 0 up, missed a penalty. Now we're 2 1 down going into the break. So. Feeling like we've just it's feeling a bit shite, but again, like you said, we were so good in that first half, there was always a bit of hope. But I mean, it, it is county, you never know what you're going to get after half time. So I, was, I wasn't sure. It was probably worse than usual because, for more other than maybe five minutes in that first half, Livingston were not good at all, they were poor. And for 15 minutes, we were great. And then for the le- the last end of the half, we were even worse than they were. And all their players just seemed to go to pieces. It just kind of defied logic. They just went from being great to rubbish. And Hungbo and Regan Charles-Cook fell out of the game completely. Yeah, for me, um, like I said, I was actually working on Saturday. So I was just keeping up with a score on, on Twitter. And uh, I seemed we went 1-0 up and then obviously... Missed the penalty and then checked the score at half time. Seen it, was too, I was just like, "That's it's just same old Ross County. It's it's never going to change." And I think we're just the sad reality is that we're we're kind of used to that now. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad, but you you can't really argue. Um, we missed such a good chance to go two up. Um, we don't take it. We go behind. Um, I felt the same. I don't think I felt as bad as some previous games I was naive and I thought we could still win from here which we could have we were the better team Livingston were not that good but it is Ross County and uh, things didn't go uh, as planned after that I think after the half we continued to be fairly uninspiring Um, I thought Charles Cook on the left hand side wasn't great until uh, the last stages of the game I think he got pretty quiet after he won the pe- first penalty. Um, well, th- he was in acres of space a lot of the time and just didn't get the ball. I think he needs to demand it more. Uh, I was seeing him on that side quite a lot, actually getting quite frustrated because he is, I, I think after Hungbo, maybe Spittle. I think I might put him a, a bit above Spittle just for pure ball retention and dribbling and take people on. I think he's behind Hungbo, probably our best on the ball, so I think he does need to demand it more. But apart from that, Peyton and Calican did pretty much nothing apart from snap people and give away fouls. Um, 
but we did get a gift through a beautiful man named Joe Hungbo, who do- does win the penalty. And this one is probably even more of a stonewaller than the first one. Yeah, and I think he kind of, you know, to deserve to win a penalty. But I think he was our best player. Um, you know, he's, he's constant. He's just constant. Whenever he gets the ball, he'll he'll put it around his man. He'll take him on, try and cut inside, get a cross in. You know, whenever he gets the ball, something positive is going to happen. Um, and again, Andy, I think you said at the start that him and Regan Charles Cook have to start on the wings. And I completely agree. Um and I think, yeah, it's definitely a penalty. The way that he manages to turn inside the box, you know, Sean Kelly just makes Sean Kelly look like a clown. Uh, it's definitely a penalty. Yeah, all game he was up against Sean Kelly. Uh, Hungbo made him look like an idiot multiple times, just had him on toast constantly. And I like Hungbo because he's also quick and direct, but he changes direction very, 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 very sharply. So he's very hard to stop because he can just go from left to right in an instant. For me, for, with Hungbo as well, like I can't remember, apart from maybe Gardine, when was the last time that we had a winger that would just get the ball and just run at the defender? I don't, I can't remember the last time Ross County had a winger like that. You just, you get the ball and you're excited because you think something's going to happen. I think Hungbo has to be the first name of the team sheet at this point. Nah, definitely. I can agree with that well, statement. Clark, maybe, but yeah. Two low knees. Yeah, safe to speak, but not the rest of the loanies. <clears throat> Jack Burrows. Ah, that's a shame. <laughs> Poor guy. Just he's just let him put more self. Just let him put more mirror selfies on his Insta. I'm sure he'll be fine. Oh my God, you've not. <laughs> it haunts which, me. But you have to out who. Which one of us was the one that brought that up? Who did it first? Come it was on. me. It was me because I was looking oh, at his Instagram, you. and it, yeah, it was me because I was looking at his Instagram. Let me let me just get up. I was looking at his Instagram and I'm really unsure why he's not taking it down. You know, all respect to the guy, but he's got a mirror selfie and the caption is nice eyes and it's from 2017. I'm just not sure about it, to be honest. Does he have nice eyes? Uh, they're they're barely open in the picture. Okay, great. Yeah. Although you have given me an idea for my lineup where I had a blank space. So thanks for the inspiration. But oh, No problem. Okay, right. Let's get back on topic. Um, Ross Callaghan, I wanted, I want to bring this up. I was not confident at all. I thought this was either going wide or straight into the keeper, and it did go straight into the keeper, but it just, just loops over him. I mean, if we missed two penalties in a game, I think I would have just got up. I, I would have cried. There would have been tears. I think, uh, to be honest, I was kind of confident because Jordan Whites was so shit. I was like, surely it can't be worse. I was like, he scored plenty pens for Hamilton. Uh, and then he ran up to the ball. And I was just thinking, what in the hell is that? And then, I mean, l- like you said, <laughs> luckily, it takes a horrible deflection off the keeper's knee or something like that and trickles over the line. Didn't even hit the net. It was very confusing whether it actually went in or not because it hit the bar in the net. But it was a goal. That's all that matters. If I was a living keeper, I'd be raging for not saving that. He really should have saved that with his legs. But he didn't, so... I didn't yeah, I mean, again, it, it was, again, it's, it's another poor penalty, isn't it? Really poor. <laughs> yeah, um, not being too reactive, we've got uh, two 
pretty poor penalties. We've been lucky enough to get two in a match, and one went in, but they were both pretty poor. Um, I'm not sure who's on penalties from here on out. It could be White, it could be Callahan. We, I think, still have to have some form of trust in these players who have put them away in the past and have shown to be decent at them, even though those weren't great. I just want to know um, if White and Callahan let's say for the sake of the argument, are off penalties. Who's the next player who'd have on one? Hardy Clark. Yeah. It's got to be. I can imagine him just like absolutely hammering it down to the left or the right and like just a really good hard penalty. I can just, that's his bread and butter. If it's not Clark, Spill. it's Spill. Yeah, Spill yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. Well, that'll be good for the playoff penalty shootout then against Inverness. <laughs> God, they're gonna have to have some fall from grace to be in the playoffs. Don't, don't. <laughs> no. Um. After this, should we just there... skip over this and like just not speak about it? Really, or it's a pretty embarrassing moment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of things that happened. We were, to be fair. Towards the end of the game, we were really looking for a winner. I don't, I can't really think of anything clear cut. I mean, to be fair, Regan Charles Cook, if he gets, uh, should pro- find himself in a six yard box, and I don't know, he, he just can't, he's marked tightly and he can't get more on it. I think that's the clearest chance we had. And it, you say Harry Payton probably should have scored as well when he absolutely oh, fired it over yeah. the bar. I think he put it over the jail end actually, not just the bar. Oh, was that one from the tight angle when he, yeah. he really put it across the, across the box, but he went and smashed it? Yeah, I could, from where I was sitting, I couldn't really tell whether he should have scored or should have cut it back, but I know he shouldn't have hit it over the J-line, let's just say that. Yeah, that's twice he's done that. <laughs> I remember, like, first couple of games of last season, he had one in the exact same place, and he's put it in the exact same place. He had it against Dundee United. But, um, yeah, I forgot about that one. Jeez, I need to... I need to look at uh, highlights more. Anyway, uh, elephant in the room, set piece, and for their third shot on target of the game and their third goal, Tom Parks making his first first Premiership appearance um, for them. I think he was at Exeter last season, the centre back. Gets his head on this. Jack Baldwin is about five feet below where the ball is, and it loops up and over Maynard Brewer, who, to be fair, I don't think can do much better. I I just want to start off because um, I was I was enraged by this. Um, and, you know, not only at the time, but watching it back, I slowed down the highlights, and you can see when when we're stationed to deal with a set piece, Jack Baldwin, obviously he's captain. He tries to make a call to get the line up. No one listens to him, but he steps up anyway, and then he ends up being wrong side of his man. So Tom Parks is basically free, and then he tries to sprint back and challenge him for the ball, obviously loses the header because he's so far away. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, just loop it, loops over the net. It's not a good goal. It's dreadful defending. And, you know, it, maybe it's harsh to pin that on Baldwin, but as the captain, I think if you're going to demand that you're taking the lineup, you've got to make people listen to you and you can't just go yourself. And that's ultimately what cost us the game. I think what makes it even worse is that when you when you freeze frame the second that um who is it went we, to the header for Livy is it um is it Fitzwater? I think yeah. so. Yeah, um Baldwin's about a foot below him in the air. It's really, really poor for a centre half. 
he's clearly on, on his heels. He's not ready for, to jump at all. Yeah. Just, Sorry, Andy, on you go. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, it's just so disorganised, which well, I can't get my head around. It's, it's what, the 93rd, 94th minute? Just try and see out the draw. I, I don't understand. The thing is, if this if this set piece came from, in my opinion anyway, if this was coming from the left-hand side or the right-hand side, it's probably more dangerous. You know, you could argue that they're going to get a better ball in. It's so basic. It's in the yeah. middle of the park. It's a simple lamp into the box. You know, there's no real conviction, direction on the ball. They've just pinged it in and hoped for the best. And because of our feeble, shoddy, disorganised defence, they can manage to get three points out of a game where they deserve zero. It's a joke. Yeah, it's just it's, that's the main word is just just uh, disorganised. It's I just can't believe like like say ninety third fourth minute and you're you're allowing the opposition free headers in your own box. I just want to ask. Um, I know this probably seems like a pretty dramatic question, but when's the last time we had a defence where you like fully a hundred percent trusted that there was going to be no nonsense, and obviously. We're Ross County. We're still going to concede goals, but in general, when did you? When was the last time you thought we were genuinely, like, defensively sound to the book? You're talking back to the days of Andrew Davis at his peak. I was going to say that, or or even going back Before further that. to to yeah. Derek Adams when you had the likes of Scott Boyd and and, and those playing Grant at the back. Monroe. Yeah, Grant Monroe. Even Ross Tokley was a more solid defender. When we when we first got promoted to the Premier League. Yeah, I say then or twenty sixteen when we won the cup, we we were yeah. we were solid then. Even when even when we were, we were culpable to some pretty poor play at the back. Oh yeah, definitely. We were playing Sean Kelly at left back. Yeah, and oh, Keith crap. Watson and Kenny Van der Reg at centre back. <laughs> oh, you know, it, it won us. It won us the league, to be fair. But oof. yeah, that's two podcasts in a row where Kenny Van der Weg's come up. He's just such a cult hero. He can't get away. I know. Like it, it would be a crime against the football club itself if, if like anyone forgets about Kenny Vanderweg. But anyway, uh, moving on. That was the winner. Uh, full time whistle. Just depressing. Pain. Any word you can put. It means the same thing. Four points adrift. We'll talk about the general position this leaves us in later on. But I just want to bring up some general stats. The particularly damning one is Livingston's three shots on target. Every single the net. They didn't have a single corner. Uh, we had seven. We had 12 shots in general to their six. We had five on target. Uh, but they have a goalkeeper who can save stuff. Uh, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> Um, and they had, not that it means anything, I'm not the Aberdeen chairman, they had 36% possession. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to you know, look further into it, for those stats people around there, they had 0.56 expected goals, and we had 2.19. So we scored what we should have, and basically they shouldn't have even scored, and they, and they scored three, if you really want to look at it like that. That's poor. Even worse, I can only think of one other shot that wasn't on target from Livy. That was that one from Alan Forrest where he took the ball down in his chest and shriveled and put it over the over the bar. Yeah, that was the only other one, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think. So it's like every time they went forward, we looked, and to be fair, they scored all three, but every time they went forward, we didn't look clever at all. 
Yeah, I think those stats really just not only do they tell the story of that game, you could argue that they tell the story of our season. And again, we're going to talk about the boss man um, in a short while. But we keep we keep um, sort of hemming back on this thing that we've played well in all these games, but we just can't quite get there. But you know, in my opinion, there can only be a certain amount of time where you can let that happen. You know, you can play well as much as you want, but at the end of the day, you need to win games, and we're not winning games. Can I, can I just say, I think you're right. We do have those periods where we do play well. But the thing is, apart from, what, the first 20 minutes or so, and maybe, maybe the little bit leading up to Calcan's penalty, I thought we were pretty shite. Like, Livingston were poor. But, like... See, that's that's the thing. Like, they can be, they can be bad, but manage to stay in the game. And we just don't have that. Like when we're even when we're good, we we concede. That's another stat I was going to refer back to. Is we're on average we're conceding two point two goals a game. And when you've got stats like that, you know that's a nightmare waiting to happen. You go into a game, you're expecting to concede two goals. So you know we've conceded twenty two this season in ten games. When you've got stats like that, you know no wonder we're struggling. Going back to. Um... The starts of the game with Livingston having three shots and we had twelve or whatever. The the one word that I think of is is they're clinical and we're not. That's what it comes down to. You See, can, I you can I do all these chances. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you can create all these chances, but you need to put, be putting them in the back of the net. I do agree to an extent, and I I kind of said this in my fan view this week, but I think. You know, you, you can look at that, and it's a fair point that we should be we should have scored more goals. But at the end of the day, the real issue in the team is that it's individual errors and defensive calamities, and that we're at the end of the day we can see too many goals. If we keep keep conceding the amount of goals we're conceding, you know, I think the only way you can look at it is that you know you can score as many goals as you want, but if you concede that many, you're never going to win a game. Yeah, yeah, of course. Obviously, the defense needs to be sorted out as well massively you need to be tight but then yeah there's both sides to it yeah no I definitely see what you mean because even just looking at our top scorers you know we don't you know we don't have a striker uh, that scored like over one goal this season so I definitely see what you're saying who is our top scorer by the way it'd be someone (laughs) two goals will it uh Blair Spittle I think and then Jakovic I'm pretty sure Jakovic's got one I think it'll be Clark Ah, He's Clark, got the one against yeah. Rangers and the one against Livingston. Uh-huh. Apart from that, yeah, I mean... Charles Cook's got one. I mean... He's got two. He's got two? Yeah, Aberdeen and Motherwell. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm up to date on my reading Charles Cook facts. Um, uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on, we do this every week. Um, almost seems like a moot point at this point, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, time to differentiate players who we thought were good, thought we were particularly poor. Um, Peter, I'll let you go first if you want. Anyone you want to highlight? Um, I'll start off good. Um, Harry Clark, Joe Hangbo. Uh, ah, that's about it. <laughs> um, I was tempted to say Regan Charles Cook there, but I don't think he's definitely had better games than that. Spittle, I thought, was actually quite poor, to be honest. Something, I forgot to say this. 
why did what was it like an injury? Like I know he wasn't. I know he was quiet, but like, why is he getting hooped at the no, next to you? I completely agree. I said that at the time. I was like, even if Blair Spittles played poor, he's one of our only players who can turn a game like like nothing. Like he could have a moment of magic. So. In my opinion, you've got to leave him on. I don't know what the thought process was behind that. He wasn't injured. He definitely wasn't injured. But yeah, um, I'd, I uh, to go back to answer your initial question, uh, I think Joe Hungbo and Harry Clark, the only two for me that get past marks. Okay, um, I will... Uh, uh, I'm just going to mention something quickly about Clark. I thought I'd put him in good because of the goal, obviously, but apart from that, I thought he was pretty average maybe even bordering towards maybe a bit below um i thought going forward he wasn't nearly as good as he can be apart from his goal uh but i'll let uh will and andy talk before i do um i would say the only one that gets clear pass marks for that entire game for me is hungbo uh clark and charles cook will be the next stage down um everyone else was either poor to bad the only thing i'll say about callaghan that he did well in that game was he Control. He managed to kind of tackle past the ball to Clark for the first goal, because I think it was Regan Charles Cook played a bad ball to him. He took a heavy touch, and then still managed to keep it and got it to Clark, who then pinged it in the net. But other than that, the rest of them are just rubbish. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, from what I've heard, my, like my brother still goes to the games. He he came home and said uh, that yeah, the only two that were half decent were Clark, like you said, Will earlier on, far too good to be. At Ross County, um, and then Hanbo as well. Apart from that, he said everyone else was useless. Yeah, I think I would probably, you know, pinpoint people who were I thought were bad, but I agree with you. I think apart from those two, I don't think there's many point because they were all shit on a par, to be honest. Yeah. Um, am I going to be mean and highlight the one in particular? I thought it was like do a it. stage do below. It. Do yeah, it. after I've said that, I have to. I thought that was... I think that's probably Jordan's, Jordan White's worst performance in a county shirt. Yeah. And that includes last week where I thought he didn't touch the ball. Like, he was <laughs> didn't win anything, didn't get us up the pitch, missed a penalty, barely had a shot apart from that. I think he put a header over the away stand, never mind the J-Lend. Um, just absolutely... Uh, I think I think he just seemed really lethargic that game, and at the moment I don't know if it's confidence, you know, tactics, team as a whole, manager. Could you could put it down to a number of different things, but I think he's playing as a shadow of what he was in the last three games under John Hughes, even the last half of the season under John Hughes. To be honest, I don't really know what's happened there. He seems to we seem right now we seem to have the Motherwell Jordan White, and you know. Last year, we had our own special Magic Jordan White, but that's far, far from what we've got at the moment. Yeah, it's um, he'll be back. I'm, I have confidence, but um, right now, it's uh, not looking great. Um, apart from that, is there? A, I haven't missed anyone talking about performances, have I, just before I move on? I think one thing you should, uh, probably should bring up is the fact that um, I think we only made two substitutions in that game. I think one was Robertson for Spittle and one was uh, Sa- Dominic Samuel came on for Jordan White. Yeah. And both of them might not might not as well come on the pitch. They did, neither of them did anything at all. Not a thing. I thought, I, uh, I, I agree, Alex Robertson. I thought, and again, Ramsey, you mentioned, I thought that was a particularly strange substitution. 
you know, especially to take off Spittle. And I, I feel a bit bad for Robertson, to be fair, because I would I just don't see a way in, in, in this side for him. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter. I just... Obviously, there's quality there. He plays for Man City, right? But I just don't think he's got, you know, the the physical presence, or you know, I don't think he's just got that in his game yet to be able to keep up with the Scottish Premiership, especially in in this situation we're in, which is so dire and where everything kind of needs to be perfect. He reminds me quite a lot of when we had them. Um, who was a lad from Celtic? We had Ewan Henderson, mm, who yeah. came in comparison, a big rep, and he was he. I don't remember him doing anything for County at all. Yeah, that's a very good comparison, that. Henderson it's... never got a look in. I remember he did, he played a few games and I and I thought, you know, you could see he had quality there, but genuinely, like, I know it's such like a, your da thing to say, but he generally was just like too lightweight to play in a midfield two in the Scottish Premiership for us when we had Kettlewell as manager. Yeah, it is it is different, like coming from Celtic, the way they played to you know coming to basically a relegation dogfight. I understand the differences in that, but I thought he was unfairly treated because he did he did play a few games, but after that he was he was just bombed. I think that's fair, and I mean going back to Robertson, you know, if I was obviously it's not going to be Pep because Pep's too above a station to be looking at us and watching our games, but whoever's in charge of Alex Robertson's loan, I'd be looking at that and thinking. You know, is there much point in him being there? Because if he's not going to play, you know, is training with a relegation team under Malky Mackay every day going to do him that much good? Surely just put him back to Man City and have him training in the billion-pound facilities. I don't know. I think it's it's a it's a tough situation, and because our midfield's not even that good. <laughs> but then again, I still I can't envision him ever getting a look in. To be honest. I do. Can I just list the substitutes we had apart from Laidlaw? Because we did only use two substitutes. I'm just wondering, moving on from Alex Robertson for a second, unless there's anything else you want to say about him. No, I've said my said my due diligence. <laughs> okay. Is there anyone on this bench who you wanted to come on who you think could have changed the game? We had Cancola, we had Alex Samuel didn't come on, Dominic Samuel came on. Uh, Alex Robertson came on and we had Keith Watson who's a defender and we had Jack Burrows who um, It's a I'll utility man <laughs> I'm going to get onto my Burrows talk in a little bit but um, anyone you who, out of those who's your ideal third sub? No one jumps out of you do they? It has to be if we're talking at the time when it's 2-2 you have to say Alex Samuel but mm-hmm. I agree. There's no one with a. That's the thing because we've actually we've got a big squad, but on that bench, there's no one that can come on and turn a game. Really, I, I, if you're if you're taking off Spittle, right? I would have liked to see uh, Alex Samuel come on because we've got uh, we had Jordan White or Dominic Samuel that came on afterwards. You could go to you could just go you could go to a a four four two and see how Alex Samuel operates with. Uh, someone to play off of. I think that's a real missed opportunity. I would rather chuck Alex Yakoviti up front than play Alex Samuel. Quite frankly, <laughs> you really, you're really not a fan of him, are you? Oh, I, I think he's Craig Curran <laughs> without the finisher, finisher's instinct. Yeah, I mean, you could, you, you I can't really argue because you look at his goal record and not much more to say, to be honest. Fair enough. That's me shot. <laughs> 
Um, okay. So, on the on the game itself, on to some of Malcolm Mackay's words. Any final thoughts on uh, our players? How the game in general went? Any parents you know? Is that just any final thoughts on the game? Um, I don't. I just think. I just think it was really, um, you know, a big missed opportunity. We said last week that if we lost this game, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, I think that's true. Um, I think if we won that game, I think pressure would have been lessened a lot on a certain individual and on the club as a whole. Um, but obviously, we're going to get on to the the the, the big matter in, in just a moment. So I'll let someone else speak. I think probably for me, I think of all the games that I've seen County play this season, I think is that we've done a full lap of fixtures. We we've still got Dundee to play. We've not played yet. That's nearly yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday night we'll have played everybody. Because I think by quite a distance, Livingston are the worst team I've seen us play this season, and we still couldn't beat them at home, which is really damning in my opinion. Really damning because they were not good. Just for me, is yeah, that's uh, Pete's uh, um, summed it up uh, there. No, well, sorry, well summed it up there. Um, yeah, Livy probably in terms of the squad, I wouldn't say we've got the worst squad in the league. I'd say Livingston do, and they've come up here and uh, shot, had three shots and scored three times and won the game. Yeah, um, it's very damning. Um... And as Peter said earlier, a lot of pressure on a certain individual um, who spoke by and large about how uh, we should have taken our chances, which is true. But he did go on to talk quite strangely about how proud he was um, about his group of players, which I thought was a pretty strange I think it was strange from the off. I, I know we had a little bit of a debate about it there, Andy, but again, I think to just point blank, not mention anything about defending or not mention anything about the concession of goals, I, I thought was, again, you know, like we've seen before this season, a very strange standpoint to take in a post-match interview. Um, You know, maybe he just sees the game differently than I do. Maybe he's trying to look at us in, in an attacking sense and make us, you know, flourish our game by scoring more goals which is fair enough but again I I genuinely believe that scoring goals is not our problem our strikers haven't scored goals but as a team I'd say we've scored enough goals in games to get us through I think the real problem is just defending and in the, the manner in which we concede goals through individual errors and just uh, like Andy said disorganisation and you would think from a manager who was a Scotland international at centre half, he'd know how to make a team defend, and he exactly doesn't. Yeah. It's but it's kind of baffling how he's managed to make us worse than under Kettlewell when literally all any media spoke about was how bad we were at defending under Kettlewell, um, and somehow we're worse with a centre half at the helm. I so I, I completely agree. And I think we I don't just, know. Sorry, I no, I was just going to say I understand his um, like his. Um, comments pre-match um, post-match to an extent because he can't just come out and just say how pathetic we were but as uh, as Pete said to not even acknowledge the the defensive mistakes uh, you need to you need to address that with how bad 
we are just now. Thing is, right, we've we don't know much about Baldwin's past career apart from that he's seen as error prone a lot of places he's been. We know that Alex Yakov is a capable defender and he's been made to look like this um naive uh almost forgetful of where he is player, which is really bizarre considering how he came up towards the end of last season and the start of this season. To be fair, I've always said that I've thought that Yakovic is quite error prone. I think he gets a lot of he escapes a lot of the flat because he's such an attacking threat. I think take that away from him. He's no better than Baldwin or Burrows or anyone in that back line doing defensive stuff. He loses markers all the time. And I'm reminded back to I think it was last season when I think Livingston was it was it J. Emmanuel Thomas? Um, beat him in the air, then he didn't bother chasing him back, then he jogged back, and then by the time they scored, he was like 20 yards behind the play. Was that That's the one away from home? Is. Yes, we got beat 3-1? Okay, yeah, I think, I think I know the one you're talking about, yeah. He, he was playing left-back that game, so he does get a bit of... Bit oh, of that one. Caveat. Oh, God. We don't talk about No, we don't talk about that one on this podcast. <laughs> Alex Jakovic at left-back. Oh, it haunts me. I, I, I can kind of see where you're coming from, Will, and the fact that, you know, he's not like he's not like this, you know, solid centre-back, and he does have an air in him, but to compare him to Jack Burrows and Jack Baldwin, I think that's a... Oh, no, he's, he's I better. That's a bit of, I think that's a bit of a violation. He is better than them, trust me on that one. I'm, I'm not even saying he's that bad, but he, I'm saying he does have an air in him. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. The game. Mm-hmm. And again, I, he, sorry, Andy. No, it's all right. I was just going to say, do you think he looks worse this season because he's got um, worse players around him. Yes, definitely. Yeah, That's the problem, isn't it? It's almost as if uh, keeping on experienced players that could help <clears throat> a fairly young player like him to develop would have been a good idea. Wow. What, what, <laughs> what, what a thought that is, Ramsey. Yeah. Um, I wonder who made all those decisions. I wonder who. Um Let's get on to it, uh, should we? Um, yeah, Malky Mackay, we've kept this que- we've kept this question at bay a little bit. I feel over the past few weeks, but it's the most talked about thing surrounding Ross County right now. Um, Malky Mackay, uh, should he say or should should he go? I mean, we'll go back to the the start. I think, and just I know we. To be fair, I was going to say we spoke about it a lot. We did on Twitter, uh, Ramsey, but we didn't. On this podcast, we, we kind of we, we did supper. we did disappear. So I don't know. If, are you willing to to go back to the start and kind of go over it from there? I'll go back to the start, um, and I think Andy, Andy, I'd like to hear from you on this as well. I think yeah, because we, you haven't been to the games. Yeah, I don't know why, Andy. Um, yeah, I'll can we? Yeah, can we let you speak on it first? Uh, if, if yeah, uh, well, yeah, no. So um, the reason I haven't been to the games is because uh, of well, it's all. Um, well, the main thing is because of his appointment, I um, I didn't agree with it. I don't know what you uh, you think about it, but um, for me, I just didn't agree with the appointment at all in terms of, um, yeah, his his past, um, but also a footballing aspect as well. He's not managed a um, a club since the uh, two thousand fourteen fifteen season, um, but even like before, uh, like last season, um. I just feel like since the start of last season with obviously uh, COVID, obviously it was hard for any football club to to run during COVID. But um, I just feel like the club just started distancing themselves from 
from the supporters since the start of last season. And then obviously this summer, um, like we go, obviously we stayed up. Um, John Hughes has kept us up. He looks like he's massively improved us without really signing, having his own team. Um, and when this last season finished, I was I was looking forward to this season, getting back to the football because obviously the world was was getting back to normal. Um, and yeah, then the news comes out that Hughes is um, not signing. Then the news comes out that uh, we replace him with Mac- Malky Mackay, and then you've got the news of. Gardine getting released over Zoom, and Vigers and Draper um, not like just being basically told to leave and uh, no contracts surrounded uh, talks with them at all. Um, I just think that, let's say the club, like the Roy McGregor bases it bases it on family values, I, and we're a community club. I think we he's he's lost all sense of that um, this year, um, especially with the appointment of Malky McKay and then. Obviously, uh, what happened with the statement after the Dungeonette game as well. But from a footballing point of view, so put all that behind, I still think he should be sacked. Um, if we lose on Wednesday night to Dundee, we're seven points adrift after 11 games. And that's just not good. Like, you, I don't think you'll be able to uh, claw that back. Kettlewell, after 10 games, he had 11 points with three wins and two draws. And uh, we scored seven goals and we conceded 17. Uh, so the goal difference is minus seven. So it's a lot better than uh, what we're sitting on just now. And then even when McIntyre got sacked, he was sacked after only seven games. And uh, he had he had a win and a draw before he got sacked as well. So that's more than um, what Malky's got just now. I just don't think you can... We're 10 games in and we've not won. And... Uh, yeah, we're, I, I agree that we're scoring a lot more goals than what we normally do, but we're conceding a lot more goals than what we normally do as well. And I just, I don't think that he can continue. Is uh, what I said the job that he had last had was with Wigan, uh, which, like I say, was was almost six seven years ago. Um, they won a he won a nine possible nineteen points out of a possible seventy two. Uh, and he, which is only five wins from 24. Um, so his win percentage was only 20% over that period. And um, that was his last job in football. Um, and there's probably a reason for that until us. Really well put. Um, thanks for that. Um, it... Ramsey, do you want to... I mean, you, you could just add to that, I guess, because you had... Re- reasoning at the start of the season as well uh, I... co- coming from a different perspective yeah I mean look I mean it's hard to replicate the sheer anger I felt when Malky Mackay was appointed um, uh, I mean I don't bring it up a lot because it's a little awkward Um, it's, it's a little awkward to just bring up in conversation randomly but uh I am mixed race in the Highlands and it's it's never really been bad um, but sometimes in certain situations like this you almost feel like you stick out like a sore thumb and when when the club you love appoints someone like that and defends it and people come out defending it say it's in the past etc you almost feel forgotten um, and I'm not going to go on about it for ages I'll let Peter and Andy talk about it but 
I guess from a footballing perspective, um, Andy's put it perfectly. There's nothing I can add to that. I cannot argue at all, and I will, and I won't even try. Um, the records he's uh, brought up with McIntyre and Kettlewell are sound. Um, that's a perfectly put forth argument um, that you can't really argue with. I don't know. Um, we've got some devil's advocate views. I can't really add much to it. I mean, I don't think he should have been appointed in the first place. And to be fair, I've met him a couple of times uh, since he was appointed. At face value, he seems like a fairly personable guy. But it's just a... it's. If I had to make a prediction, I think his tenure will be over soon enough, hopefully. I, d- I don't even know. And if I had to look back, it's just been a very uncomfortable time Um for the football club and I'll just hand it over to whoever wants to speak next. Yeah. I would just want to say that I, I I completely agree with your two points and obviously Ramsey, I would not try to, you know, debate or anything because the perspective you see it from is far, is far more highly valued than from, from where I stand. Um, But again, you know, I think you and Andy spoke about his past and, the appointment well enough for me I don't really have much more to say in it all I can say is that you know I do agree with you guys um and I think you know going back to football in perspective Andy what you said that's like it's a standout stat you know he's not had a job for for six seven years he had a 20% win rate which is which is bad I mean and now look at us we've played 10 games we've won zero games we've drawn three we've lost seven We've scored 10 goals in 10 games and we've conceded 22 goals in 20, not in 22 games, in 10 games. Um, Malky Mackay has the worst goals conceded per game of any top flight manager in, in Ross County history at 2.2. Um, he's picked up a total of three points from an available 30 and by Wednesday we'll have played every team. So we're not going to be facing anything different. We know what we're up against. Um and we still can't win a game. And I, I have some points written down about why people might think he should stay, and we can go over them after Will gives his points of view. But again, right now, his position is virgin on being untenable. Um, and I think there's there's got to come a certain point where certain individuals in the club... Um, you know, Stephen Ferguson and Roy McGregor and the board, they kind of have to look at the situation and and do something about it, in my opinion. I'm probably going to play a very slight devil's advocate here because although I didn't want Malky McKay anywhere near the club, and I think you guys are aware of that from what I've said on Twitter and so forth. Yeah. But I think that Malky is just another one in a line of currently not having any direction at all. And it's been going on for some time. And he's just the worst of the lot so far. I mean, we didn't have a style under Ketz. As much as I liked Ketz, we were poor. Yogi solidified us, but then under, we had Owen Coyle, who was a disaster. The last time we had any kind of style at all or any forward thinking was Jim McIntyre. And even then, McIntyre was very hit and miss. So I don't know where this club's going. I have no idea. And I'm I'm pretty worried, actually, where, where we're going. Yeah, and again, you know, talking about devil's advocate, I will bring up, you know, the only points I could think of uh, as to why people um, are keen for Malky Mackay to stay in the job at Ross County. 
Um, you know, you could argue that it's it's been a big rebuild. He's had, you know, you could say a tough summer. A lot of players left the club. Uh, he's had to build a whole new squad. But then again, I would look back and say, you know, a club like Livy, they had a lot of players leave. Um, it was a transitional summer for them as well. They've just won two on the bounce. They're above us on the table. They just beat us. Um, you could say that the players have to take res- more responsibility on the park for winning games, and that you know you could you could maybe defend Malky and saying that the individual errors and you know poor attacking exploits aren't his fault. Um, but then again, you know players play up to a manager; they play up to a manager's tactics and what he tells them. Um, again, and the only other thing that I would say is that Roy McGregor, Stephen Ferguson, and Malky himself have touted this. Um, this situation as a long-term project um and you know it can be a long-term project you can have plans for the future as much as you want i'm okay with that but if you're not getting results if you're trailing three points behind the pack 10 games in then you know long-term projects are irrelevant yeah Yeah, i mean sorry well uh, what you said uh your first point there pete um, but yeah, he's he's coming. He's had to do a massive rebuild, um, and I get that. And uh, yeah, new managers do need um, like time when they've come into a new club, and it's a whole uh, old transitional period. But you can only like how long do you let that go on for until it gets um, like just um, like we're we're destined to go down, sort of thing. And I think if we lose on Wednesday. If we lose on Wednesday, then we are already, and that's eleven games into the season. So I agree. And I think uh, something else I should have added was that, you know, yes, it's been a big rebuild over the summer, uh, and yes, he's got a new squad, but we've played ten games, so automatically that's ten weeks. Uh, and you look before that, he had the whole of preseason, and before that, he had you know to plan signings, you know, taking who he wanted, jealous squad together. So I think. You know, a few weeks ago, we were hearing the excuse of um, that it's been a tough start to the season. We've faced all the top six. Uh, that excuse is now irrelevant because we've played everyone bar one. Um, and the excuse of it being a big rebuild over the summer is going to soon become irrelevant as well because of how long he's been in the job. I think another thing that got a lot of fans backs up as well was the fact that when Malky came in, we kept getting stuff out. Oh, there's five or six signings about to come in, about to come in. And then it turned mm. out the first one was Concola, who signed a pre-contract in January. And then nothing ever seemed to happen. And then they just seemed to be rush signings at the end. It was loan after loan after loan as well. That That's really annoyed me. Say, yeah. And one of them, all... sorry, one of them was Alex Samuel, who, as good a player he could turn out to be, sorry, Will, seemed to be a pretty reactive last-minute signing to replace Ali Shaw. So one of the signings has been like completely last minute yeah, yeah. I think that with with his the signings I think like I don't know how many people are, are on loan and I get that uh, in a transitional period that might that might be the only possible option but to have I, I, I'm going to guess and say it's probably over half half the squad that are on loan or thereabouts it's, um, uh, that's it's not good Robertson. for this long term plan Sorry, I think it's Vokins, Robertson, Burroughs, Clark, Hungbo, and Maynard Brewer. So I think it's six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I, I think I don't think you've missed anyone out there. No. Like, um. Sorry. No, no. I, I was just, I was just gonna waffle to fill noise, but on you go. All right. Okay. Uh. Good. Because um. Just I think it was your second point. Um. That I've seen brought up a lot is that um. Individual individual errors. Mm-hmm. The thing is, errors can be coached out of players. Like I know they're they do happen, but the fact the fact that happening so much almost tells me that Malky Mackay is not as good a man manager as John Hughes. And obviously I don't know how John Hughes got us to commit uh fewer errors. I'm gonna use all done. I was I no on you go. I was literally I was about to say the exact same thing. About I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna use him as an example because under Kettlewell he was a bit of a bomb scare, let's be honest. And people still hold that against him today. If you look under the Twitter post where we said he should start, it's basically Donaldson, Donaldson, what, etc. John Hughes came in and almost immediately turned Carl Donaldson into a very reliable defender. He did have the occasional blip, yeah, but he's a Scottish Premiership lower half defender. That's what you expect. I'll tell you something, that chip ball in the box for the Levy's third goal, Carl Donaldson does not lose that header. He does not, because I've said this about 20,000 times over the course of this podcast. John Hughes coached risk and reward into Carl Donaldson. And if you get someone like Jack Baldwin and get him to realise that if if your teammates don't step up the line, you stay in position, little simple things like that. I, I don't care what anyone says. Those things are coachable. And um, even as defenders Baldwin can be taught that and the fact that he hasn't even at the short space of time he's been at county shows that Malky Mackay um that's one of the question marks over him yeah I, I agree I was I as I said I was gonna say that about Donaldson and you know I think you know Baldwin was probably one of our last signings I'd be right in saying in the summer but you know I, I kind of you know, this is kind of, I'm I'm going on a tangent again here, but to come in, you know, as a you know, you could argue he's a fairly big name, played for Sunderland, Salford, Bristol. He's an he's a known defender in in the lower English leagues, um, and to to come in and you know sort of instantly make him captain when when Watson's not playing was was kind of baffling to me as well because I don't think he's done anything to deserve to be captain. You know, he's not had a as far as I'm aware, he's not done an interview that was like, you know, showing a swagger. He's not like, you know, he's not he's not had anything like that. And his performances most definitely not have uh, shown that he should be club captain. Yeah, I uh, I don't want to rag on Jack Baldwin because he's been in the door for two minutes, and I had a second point that I've forgotten. But um, yep. Uh, Oh, I forgot. I that. That's another reason why I think. Um, never mind. It'll come back to me. I am um, now copying Peter and waff- waffling to fill space. I've forgotten what I was going to say. Is there any other points that anyone else would like to bring up while I'm having this utter brain blank? Where? Well, why don't we keep John Hughes? So yeah, again, I don't know. I think on the document, the next section I just highlighted, um, and it's about sort of 
silence from our chairman. And again, I think that the, the, that your question there could be linked. I think, you know, you, you did actually touch on it again, Andy, so I'll let you speak about it. But, but for a good few years, and Will, you said it as well, the club has been, you know, they've not been acting upon the values in which we say we have. Would you say that's a fair analysis? 100%. Yep. Agreed. They're just, it's just, I personally, like, I feel just, you don't even know what's going on at the club half the time. Until, like, normally it's news, like, for signings, for example, half the time it's papers or uh, media that report it before we even do. And just to just, go back uh, to the, sorry. No, I was just going to say, it just, it just feels like, over, especially over the last couple of years, it's just everything's got so distant, in my opinion. Something that really bothered me, which I think is something that maybe went on the radar a bit, that um, probably signaled the start of a really uncomfortable era at County, if you can even call it that, uh, was the fact that we said on the statement of John Hughes leaving that he wanted to explore other footballing opportunities, and then Ross Draper comes out... Um, telling the story of a phone call we had with that he had with John Hughes that said he was disappointed not to get the job. It's little things like that that um Yeah, can I just it... touch on that as as well? It's uh on when John Hughes was on the uh, open goal podcast, I don't know if any of you've seen it, but he came out and said um he wanted to stay. Yeah, I did see that. And, and I saw build, that yeah. build from the summer. And uh yeah, so that statement was a lie. So that's that's it's baffling to me really that that huge situation because I, I you know I'm not really sure how you can deny a guy and a crack at the job who's he's came in at the drop of a hat poured so much of himself so much of his energy into the club to to make us survive in the Premiership and you know were we kind of just willing to throw that away by appointing appointing my you know not to you know i know we've gone after him a lot and maybe it's deserved you know just to appoint malky mckay out of nowhere basically instead of you know giving it to john hughes who has proven himself to be reliable in the county dugout it just yeah, seems also, a bit it seems a bit unorthodox to be honest also you've reminded <coughs> me of something um another lie um the county Officials like like Ryan McGregor, Stephen Ferguson, and to be fair, um, I've spoken to Stephen Ferguson um a few times. Very nice guy. I'm not gonna rag on him, um, but Roy McGregor came all all his um all his his murky histories in the past, etc. Roy McGregor said in the opening show of the season on RCFC TV that he'd been trying to get Malky McKay in as Ross County manager for years. So that's another inconsistency, contradiction, lie, whatever you want to talk, call it, that's come from the very top of the club being told to the fans. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know that actually. So that's new that's new to me, but that's a bit strange. The yeah, that I didn't know that either. That is bizarre. But the one that like, if we're talking about like the club being like distant or the statements are pathetic, the one that sticks out for me is um when they announced that Josh Mellon was leaving. Oh, gosh. Good, oh yeah. my god! How, yeah, how good he was for us in the championship! Like he was probably one of our best players in the championship with the stats that he provided, and then even the Premiership. Um, 
he was he was pretty decent for us as well. And then yeah, the statement was just like, oh, "Josh has left." Thanks. Aye. That he, was it. And now, he, and now he didn't even get thanks. He didn't even get thanks. Nah, him, not, yeah. He got sentenced. Announced him leaving under a picture of Jermaine Hilton holding up his number. And Jermaine Hilton turned out to be that, a club yeah. legend, didn't he? Yeah, it wasn't even like a, a statement on its own. It was hidden away in the, in the United yeah. Venue signing, yeah. That's the one that annoyed me the most. I think, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, that's kind of the pinpoint for me of where it started. But again, look, Will said uh, a few minutes ago, you could argue it's been going on for years. Mm-hmm. You could, I mean, it's always going to be hard to pinpoint a moment, isn't there? And it's quite likely that there isn't one. It's just a slow change over time. I personally would pinpoint wherever you consider the real switch over to the social media era, maybe, where, wherever that may be. Um, it might be a little earlier in some people's views. I probably put it around after, funnily enough, the cup win is where it seemed to become more significant with engagement, etc., um, I, it is hard to pinpoint, but it it is a problem. It remains a problem. Um, and for social media, all we really need, seem to do recently is post pictures of Harry Clark to try and get engagement from Arsenal fans. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's annoying, but it's not like you know. I think we've got more significant problems than that at the moment. And again, I I just want to know your guys' opinions. You know, I'm sure you've all seen our hard parts of it. Dave Cormack went on the BBC uh, and defended, backed his manager to the hills. And, you know, thankfully for him, for his own sake, it paid off at the weekend and they did win. But, you know, we, we've not seen anything like that from, from Roy McGregor in a long time. And I can't even tell you, it was probably when Malky was appointed, it was the last time we heard you know, an interview or a statement from Roy. And I understand that, you know, he's not of, as, as, as active as he used to be. Um, and that, you know, you could you could say that he's getting a bit older. But again, would it not be better to be sort of, you know, making fans believe uh, and, you know, to be in touch with fans, you know, even if he is going to come out and back Malky to the hills, you know, I'd rather hear that than, than, than be hearing tone deafness. I actually think the last time Roy did anything big with a manager um, before Malky was Owen Coyle, actually. I think was there not like an in-person meet and greet or something? The press conference at Victoria Park, yeah. Yeah, which I was meant to go to but couldn't go to because I was ill. But um, uh-huh. yeah, that's the last thing I can remember. And that was I get, what, four years ago? Again, I kind of see yeah. if they did one this time, all it would have been was... Malky slander, which you know, I like again, there. I said would 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 maybe have been deserved and probably would have been deserved. Um, definitely would have been deserved. I'll just say. Um, but yeah, I just think there's got to come a point where you know we need to be told what's happening because if we just if we keep going and keep losing and keep not winning, but then are continually you know hearing nothing from the hierarchy at the club we're just going to fall further and further apart. And another thing I wanted to bring up just, just briefly was that the actual attendances at the games, you know, against St Mirren, it was really poor and it was even worse on Saturday. And, you know, the stadium announcer is clearly just lying because there's no way there was 2,000 people at that game at the weekend. He'll just be announcing the, the, the season ticket sales, basically. Yeah. Rather yeah. than actually who's turned up. 
I, I would you would be lucky if there was over over one thousand three hundred people at that game on Saturday. And that's gonna continue to get worse and worse. When we play Hibs, I'm expecting hardly anybody to be there. And no, right no, and no, rightly so, because we've been shit. So why would anyone want to come and watch that? Well, it's Something... also for me, like me personally, I'm not I'm I wonder how many people were in this uh, the same shoes as myself as not going just because they disagreed with the appointment uh, at the start of the season. I'm quite a few. I'm going to guess that I'm not the only one. Yeah, well, definitely not. I yeah. I can I can name quite a few already, and I I reckon there's probably more who choose not to you know put it on social media and stuff like that for us to see. Yeah, I was um one of them until, to be fair, it's bad time because last week's the first time I went uh, to a game as a fan this season um, because work I had at the game fell through at the last minute. Um, so that that's the first game I've been to as a fan. But at the start of the game... How did you, how, what did you think of it, though? What, what, you know, did it feel different to other seasons, would you say? The atmosphere. Uh, I was in the J-Land and it was the first... Um, it was the first... Um, singing section appearance um questionable so it was, as it questionable as it was they, they did a good job i'll give them that they did do a good job um but yeah um there was a, it was pretty i don't know it, i'm not gonna i just thought you know maybe i don't, I don't want to you know interrogate you like mad but i thought just maybe on a personal level because what we're talking about with you know club family values and stuff like that i just thought maybe you know, for you, like having a break and then going back, it might have felt a bit different. Oh no, it did. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to put it into words. Um, I'm not saying there's always a wholesome togetherness in the Jayland, but there's usually. I can't. I can't speak. I I can't speak for other people, but there was, at full time especially, there was definitely a bit of an awkwardness. Um, I'm not sure if it's like my mind creating it because of how I feel or because of results, but it definitely isn't the same. And there was quite a few empty seats, as you've been saying. Yeah, no, I, I, that's fair. I just thought, you know, because I'm always interested to hear your your thoughts on it. Uh, thank you. Um, um, what was I going to go off to? That's going to really annoy me. I had something in my head but I've forgotten it. Um, we've gone on for quite a bit. Any final words before we do a Dundee preview? No, I think, from me anyway, I think you guys have all spoken fairly and spoken well on the situation. I think we've been critical, but I don't think we've been outrageous at all. I think everything we've said has been fair and justified, so I'm happy. Yeah, agreed. Do we have to do the Dundee okay. preview? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, next thing, um, we've got Dundee promoted via the playoffs. The final team we have to play um, before we've played everyone in the league. After that, there truly is no excuses. We've played everyone, as Peter said. We know what we're up against. The last result was a 1-1 draw against high-flying hearts. Um, what's the feeling going into this one? And I feel like I know what the answer is going to be. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, very, very little hope. Uh, you know, there was going to be little hope as it is seeing them pick up a positive result against 
second in the table hearts. Yeah, we're finished. The thought of Griffiths, McCowan, McMullen, and then coming off the bench, Cummings with Adam playing, running against Baldwin and Yakoviti. Yeah. Just, oh God, that terrifies me. Especially McMullen. He is a scary wee winger. Yeah, it's um, it's not... Dundee have had um, a bit of a rough one on and off the pitch this season, but I mean, there's no... We said it last week that we had the better squad than Livy, which I maintain, but there's not really much of an argument for saying that... for being confident here. And fair enough uh, if anyone listening is confident. But, I mean, we've seen in the 10 games we've played so far, we've had positive moments, we've had positive <coughs> predictions, um, and they've all come up as a one big negative. And as we go onto our lineup and try and figure out what we could do to do well against this Dundee side, for me personally, I can't really see anything good here. And I'm just going to ask for your, your thoughts. I have something in my eye, so I'm going to fall, fall silent for a minute. I'll let the other guys speak first. I've done enough speaking tonight. Um, I think if you look at the, I don't know if they're if their full squads better than ours, but if you look at their first team, I think more of their first team. If you combine our squads, I think it'll be more of Dundee's first team than our first team. And I think I would take the boys at Ashcroft that plays centre half for them. I was going to say he's a in a heartbeat. He's better than anything we've got. Kami Carrot right back. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you, and then who, who's who's a Jordan McGee at left back? Is it, or Probably who's been left? Who's team. been left back for them these days? Is it McGee? Oh. I'm not. I'm not sure. I know. I know. Fonts comes off the bench quite sometimes. I'm not I sure. I would take. I'm not sure. No, I would take Fontaine. <laughs> he, was, he was down a couple of years back, but he's he's a nice guy. So yeah, he's got a good song as well. Life lessons. I was like tune. Oof. Ah, uh, what a tune. We should have that on the Tannoy instead of Highway to Hell. Um, <laughs> right. Um, not really much more to say. We'll predict it after we do this lineup. Has everyone got a rough idea of what they want to see line up? Yeah. Uh, well, I say yeah, um, but I do. I've got something written down. It's not necessarily like magical and good, but I've got something written down. I have several blank spaces and one thing in particular I'm going to be pretty stubborn about. Um, so let's get started. Um, I'm assuming from what we've heard in the podcast, Ross Laidlaw gets the nod from us. Yep. Yeah. Right. This is the thing I'm going to be stubborn about. Speak and then I'll let you. Um, I think we have to go three at the back here. We have... We're so open. We're so vulnerable. We see that cross from Kelly that Yakovic and Baldwin were nowhere near. It means one less player out outfield further up the park. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to concede less goals. I think we need a third centre-back here just to... Because we've seen Baldwin in the air um, under pressure. He can miss it. We saw... Um, It'll give us a, a, it'll it'll give us another presence. Um, there's not really much more I can say. I think we have to go three at the back here. If you're wondering, the three names I have down are Iakovitti, Donaldson, and Clark. I have Donaldson in the middle. I maintain that he is 
a good defender. I'm not sure of its absence making the heart grow fonder, but at this moment in time, I'd have him over Baldwin. Well, Ramsey, believe it or not, I actually agree. I've gone with a back five. Okay. Will and Andy? Um, I'm happy with taking a back three, but I'm just not sure who you'd play on the wings. That's my only problem. But yeah, I'm yeah. happy with a back three. With, I, especially, yeah, I'd maybe... Uh, no, sorry. Um, I, maybe, I would maybe stick with a back four, but then drop one of the attacking midfielders into back into centre mid so you have three in the middle instead of just two okay and have and have one sitting that's fair uh, I my the, the 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 three names I had at centre back uh were different from Ramsey um uh, I had Jakovic on the left Watson in the middle and Donaldson on the right which I know is a bit uh you know we've not seen them much this season but that's because I've put Harry Clark playing right wing back who in the middle, sorry? Uh, Keith Watson. Okay. Um, can I just get on? I'm going to let other people uh, speak out after this, so I just want to get this in early. I think on the right, I haven't put Regan Charles Cook at right wing back. I've put Blair Spittle. I think Charles Cook further up with Hungbo. We see how they take on defenders, and I think Blair Spittle from deep can put in a, a, a good ball. Um, and I think... We haven't seen it so much this season, but when you remember when he came back from loan at Park Thistle when he first got back into the team under John Hughes, he could he could defend. He was instrumental in that way against Celtic. So I've got him at right wing back, and that's why I've kept. That's why I've got Donaldson in the team and Clark tucking in. Yeah, that's fair. I also I don't have Spittle playing. Um, I've got him playing in, the, in a different position as well. Um, again, I think we've all we've all got different ideas here, so I don't know. How we're gonna can can fit this all into a lineup, but yeah, but, right, first, I mean, if if well, if you were playing a three, who would you have in in it as three centre backs? Um, I would definitely have Donaldson in the middle. Um, okay. I'd have you on the left. I'd probably um, this is the problem. I don't fancy Baldwin or Barrows or anybody at right centre half, but I want Clark at right wing back. Yeah, see, this is that's why I I kind of had to bring in Watson because. You know, Watson at right centre back, maybe, you know, I, I don't really fancy that either. I think he's a bit on the slow side. So that's how I stuck Donaldson out there. I know he's played there before. Yeah, probably where Watson is. It might, it might hide the fact that Watson has got no pace left whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Right. So are we going with Donaldson on the right and Watson in the middle? Andy, thoughts? Are you going, with, is, are we set on the five at the back? I think I it's, said, it's, it's, it's three to one. I yeah, no, so. that's fair enough. I would have Yakoviti, uh, Watson, and Clark. Okay. Okay. Right. So me and Will are Clark at right wing back. Ramsey and Andy are uh, right. Clark at right centre say, back. This is the problem I, we're having four people. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say putting another? Uh, it's. I don't like saying this, but I think at this point I would rather Baldwin over Watson. Oh, I think God. um, I think I would. I think. How do I put this? I like Watson as a defender. He's kind of similar to Donaldson in that he. I don't think we conceded the goal. We conceded with um Anderson last week. If he's in the side, as we said, if he's not in the middle, he has very little pace left. And I think Baldwin, out on the right, 
I don't know. I haven't seen him there. I am conflicted, but I think I'm going to stick with it. I'd rather have Baldwin over Watson. Not that it matters because we're all over the place here with what we've picked. Uh, yeah, I do think Watson does get by a little bit on the fact that the year we got promoted from the championship, he was great. And the fact that, you know, he's such an experienced player in there. And at the end of the day, he's club captain. And I think we just spoke about how we don't have that. And if he can come in and just be a shadow of a captain and demand people about, then I think that'll have a large boost in our performance. All right, okay, you've won me over with that. I forgot about the whole captain issue. All right, okay, I'll put Watson in there. Boom. That's what, that's what I do. Yeah, okay. So, so um, have we agreed to put Harry Clark at right wing back? I'm buzzing with that. I am less buzzing with that, but I'll put it in because you've won me over with Watson. Um, Andy, you happy with that or you want you, you to argue for any changes? No, I'd say I'll have him at right wing back because who else? Okay, I'll put him there. Uh, Clark. Who you on, on the, the left, left then, yeah. On, on the, the left, left, I have a problem, but there's nothing I can really say here. See, on the left, I, I, I there's one name for me, and uh, you know, as much as I'd rather, you know, having a headache, I think you can only play Ben Payton. To be honest, I don't, I don't really see who else could play there. Yeah, I agree. I was gonna say Ben Payton last week really, really looked like a centre mid playing left back. We, we don't really have anyone. We don't have. I don't. We have. We don't have an option right now. I know. I think Vulcans is back in training, but we don't know if he's anywhere near fit yet. Um, I know the original prognosis, I think, was like 10 weeks, but I can't remember how long it's been. Hopefully he's back soon, but I think for now there's only one name you can put there, and it's Ben Payton. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the, only, the only problem with Ben Payton is who'll be going at, who'll be going at, who'll be going at him for Dundee. It's probably going to be Paul McMullen. Yeah, and um, that's the thing. I think if that's a that that could be an issue, especially with Yakovitie playing left centre back, like you said, Will, he does tend to get dragged about a bit by the opposition, so could be a bit exposed down the left. But there's not much choice, so yeah, there's like I I literally unless you play Regan Charles Cook at left wing back, I think he's the only other person who's ever played there for us. Yeah, and that's a right footer playing there. We don't need any more narrow play. Uh, forced by a um a right footer there like we had with Burrows. Um, my biggest problem is the two in the middle. Right, we've had. I've thought about this all day. By the way, I can't get my head around this. We haven't had a partnership that's worked this season. I don't think. So what I thought, we haven't. This is a game against a team. At the start of the season, we would have said we need to be beating Dundee. If we're going to do this, I feel like we need something new. We need to try something because nothing's worked so far. And what I thought, um, funnily enough, when Peter was going on about his Instagram, <laughs> we we haven't played Jack no Burrows. no. We, we played Jack Burrows in his natural position for twenty minutes, and that was a way three 0 down against Hibbs. We played him at left back the rest of the time. And he was set up for a fall. I think I think he's known as more of an attacking threat than a defensive anchor. So I think put one of the sitters next to Jack Burrows for this one. Well, oh gosh. Oh, bloody hell, Ramsey. What are you doing? Ross County 2021-22 has made people lose their minds, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we're we're really oh oh god we're really enough we're, we're fucking we're in dire straits here boys aren't we Christ. we're in the mud that's really brought it to my attention ramsey banks wants to play jack burrows in cdm with 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 someone like jordan tilson god what is coming next i don't think i've anything gotten i don't think i've got anything nearly as controversial next oh yeah well i i, I obviously don't have that i mean to be fair if, do you know what if, if it happens why not give the boy a chance? We've slandered him enough on here. Um, I can't imagine that me, Will, or Andy are going to have that. So what I had was, I've got Jordan Tilson uh, sitting just to run about and kick people and tackle, and I've got Blair Spittle next to him playing, you know, just a little bit higher, but playing in a central midfield role where he's going to have quite a lot of dis- defensive responsibility, like you spoke about, Ramsey. I can get behind that. Well, Although I'd have I'd have Cancola over Tilson. Yeah, see that was another thing, but I, I'm I'm not convinced with Cancola. I think you're guaranteed that running, you're guaranteed hard work uh with Jordan Tilson, and I'm not sure if we're guaranteed that with Cancola, to be brutally honest. The thing with Tilson is he's high up in the league table for individual player interceptions. And I'm not sure if this is my imagination, but a lot of the time this season, he's looked like he's chasing shadows. And I know you, you have that hard work, but I just wonder if you have someone like Cancola, who maybe is um, a little more reserved in his running. In his, in his debut off the bench against Hibbs, I saw the interceptions, but he knew where to be so he didn't have to run as much. And I think that's the main difference. But I'm not sure in a midfield two you might need a little more running. So yeah. I'm, a bit, I'm a bit split. I mean, let's go to Will and Andy. We're taking ages here, so let's yeah, go sorry, to Will and Andy. <laughs> I'll let you go first, mate. Um, yeah, I would definitely have Tilson sitting just because, as as Pete says, he's got the guaranteed, um, like, he'll just run, run all game. Um, and then I think you have... Um, Going up to the top of the pitch, I think you have Spittle off the striker to start okay. to to leave. Uh, so we have someone up there. So it's probably going to be White, isn't it? That's um, he's, so he's just not completely isolated. And then you have Buckin, probably Callahan, maybe. Yeah, see, I had Callahan, but I've chopped and changed this so much that I ended up. Uh, having Spittle in centre mid just to incorporate other players into the team, but oh, I don't. We all agree with Spittle as one of them. Well, he's gonna, he's yeah. gonna, he has to start. He's gonna be. Somewhere. Oh, oh yeah, of course, of yeah. Course. Okay, so I'll put Spittle in uh, as one of the central midfield positions. So, and I think, well, I think we're nearly all agreed on Tilson as well. Will, did you have Tilson? I can't yeah. remember. I played a midfield three, but with Tilson sitting deeper uh, behind Spittle and Peyton. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So, two of your three are similar to mine. And so again, would, would you rather Tilson or Peyton? Tilson. Okay. I, I feel like we're all agreed on that then. Tilson. I mean, yeah. So, after that, that leaves us with three. I mean, maybe we've got various shapes on the go, but. I've got a striker and sort of two playing off him, if you will. Wingers, if you like. Not really sure how to describe it. 
yeah i've got i've yeah and i think i know what you're talking about um and you go first oh yeah i think it's fairly obvious so my two sort of furthest furthest forwards wingers attacking midfielders regan charles cook and joe hungbo same i think they have to start yeah simple as that yeah Andy will. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I'm just trying to work out uh, the formation in my head. <laughs> the shape. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but no, I'd, I'd 100% agree with that. Yeah, they've, they've got to start. Mine's looking like a 3 4 2 1. Yeah, 3 4 3 for me, but there's barely, barely any difference. Yeah. Uh, I'm just being pedantic. Let's move on. Um, the striker. Um, there might be a little bit of discussion over this, but I've I've been calling for this a few weeks now. I want Dominic Samuel up there. I think I said, I don't have to say it again, I thought White was absolutely hopeless at the weekend. Um, I think Samuel, when he came on, he didn't do anything major, but I think right away you could see he had a little more tenacity. Uh, he won a bit more despite being a little shorter. He held the ball up a bit better. He linked up better with Hungbo and Charles Cook. And I think overall he was just better than White was um, in the last game. Uh, I agree. I also had Samuel Dominic up there. I think when he, I agree, when he came on, he was better than White at holding up the ball, surprisingly. Uh, in terms of their finishing, I don't think either of them, no, neither of them are a natural finisher. Um, so again, it doesn't really bear any difference. But yeah, Dominic Samuel um, with Hungbo and Charles Cook behind for me is the, the, in the top area. Yeah, so, uh, Andy, Will, what are you thinking with the striker position? I've gone crazy. I've gone no strikers. I've gone Hungbo and Regan Charles Cook in free rolls up front. Wow. Because I don't rate any of our strikers at the minute scoring a goal. And I think those two have got a bit of pace and I don't think there's a great deal of pace in the in the Dundee defence. Do you know what? I, I'm quite a big fan of that because see if you just leave them two up top, take away whoever you're wanting to play striker, throw in an extra centre mid, gives you more cover. Yeah. I'm tempted by that, you know. That's not bad. Will. Throw, throw, Will. <laughs> Malky out, Will in. That's what I say. Yeah, that's like... That's, that's ingenious. That yeah, that's ingenious. I love it. All right, I, th- I feel like we have to do this now. Like, we can't not... Yeah, we've got to, we've got to big up Will for that. that All right, so throw throw Spittle further up. Have Tilson and who next to him? Mm. Toss up between Peyton and Callahan. I'd go. Or... Cal- I'd go Callahan. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. Will, that's the moment of the podcast. That is. I just. I just hope you know. <laughs> I mean, it's a long enough podcast, so you know. <laughs> we've got there. Yeah, it's been. Yeah. So that is amazing. That's my favorite thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm going to name it from back to front and enjoy every second of it. Uh, in goal, we've got Ross Laidlaw, hopefully making his return. Our back three is the back three that I think started the season with mixed results. Iacoviti, Watson and Donaldson. On the wings at wing back, we have Harry Clark and Ben Payton. In the middle, we have John Tilson sitting uh, with Ross Callaghan with Blair Spittle a little further up. And a stroke of genius by Will has Regan Charles Cook and Joseph Hungbo cutting inside uh, without a recognised striker, which is fantastic because this season none of them could hit a barn door. 
Um, we're gonna have some predictions real quick, and then we'll head on some head on some questions. I'll go first. Two 0 Dundee. One uh, 0 Dundee. I don't see us even scoring. Quite frankly. Okay, yeah, I'm two one Dundee. Yeah, I'm gonna say um, two 0 Dundee. Put us out of our misery. Get him out. <laughs> we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a Man United just lose purposely to get to get the manager out. I'd never. I no no no. I never want County to lose. I just. Think... Oh, no, I'm, I'm I'm joking. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I just think. Yeah, just to make sure no one like miss misinterprets. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> just like, uh yeah. The Cal- the Cali fans will be back to slandering you on Twitter again. Yeah, um, big old Kenny Cameron. Um, he haunts me in my dreams. He haunts our quote tweets. Yes. Um. Anyway, we've got some uh, we've got some Twitter questions. Uh, we'll speed through these because we've got we've been going on for quite a while, and uh, people are probably getting. I think it's probably on. our longest ever podcast. So congratulations. I think it definitely is. Yeah. Um. Okay. So from Cal McDonald, if we got rid of Melky just now, who would we realistically be able to get to replace him, considering how qualified and experienced he is? Who who is free right now that could do any better with that squad? John Hughes. Exactly. John Hughes. I don't know if he's free right now, but Alex O'Neill comes to mind for me. There's no way if we'd be able to get Alex O'Neill, surely. Derek not. Derek McInnes, Neil Lennon. I don't care. Gotta show some ambition. Don Cowie. Oh no. Not for me. <laughs> not for me. It's too little experience. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's gotta be someone who's been in the premiership and has done it and knows it and can get us out of this mess. If Marky McKay gets sacked, I should add. Yeah. Um, yeah. From uh, from Genki Sisudio. Uh, uh, sorry, mate. You, you're probably going to be on the podcast and might slaughter me for that later on. Um, but um, what do you think it'll take for Roy to admit he made a mistake in appointing the manager? He won't. Uh, yeah. Andy, I'll let you just do- answer for me. Yeah, there's no way he won't admit that he's made a mistake. And that's uh, your man that's asked that question. He's banking on Roy McGregor coming out and talking to the fans, which is another thing that he won't do. Yeah, true. Uh, it's kind of sad, but um, yeah, true. Uh, from Ali McFarlane, how much longer will Mackay be in charge? And if he's sacked, who would you like to see replace him? Firstly, that first sentence is one of my biggest fears because... Like with Owen Coyle, Malky Mackay's Roy McGregor's man and he's back into the hilt. I hope that it isn't a situation where he waits till like Christmas or even further beyond that to see him implement whatever style he has in mind. Because uh, if that happens, then we're getting relegated, quite frankly. I think it will take an utter doing for us to get him to get rid of Malky. I think it will take like, someone beating a 6-7-0. And I think I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I, I do kind of see where you're coming from because the thing we're hindering on at the moment, like I said earlier, is playing well in parts, but we're just not quite there yet, sort of thing, in quotation marks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and we've said who would like to see replace and we've already said John Hughes. Um, from Craig Smith, social media has clearly turned on Mackay, but do you think it's the same for the wider support? No. <sighs> to be honest, I doubt it. I, I I would like to say that it is, but I reckon we're probably looking at around a 50-50 split, to be honest. Just, you know, looking at the demographics of our fan base, mm-hmm. 
elderly white males from the highlands who've <laughs> probably lived there all their lives um i don't know you can you can see where i'm coming from with that with that point and that might be a bit controversial um but i've said it I now so, so so it's too late i've but, seen I a, i've seen a few that give malky a chance brigade start to change their mind so i think it's probably at that tipping point now and another couple of bad results and i think they'll turn completely yeah um you're right and uh to end it off from you, Will, what on earth did we see in Jack Baldwin? <laughs> I wish I. Knew. I mean, yeah, I would love to answer. <laughs> I mean, whoever's eyes we saw him with, God, they're needing a set of new specs. Ah, that's a shame. Um, we'll end it off there. That is one very long podcast. That is uh, yeah, one very I mean, long. If, <laughs> if anyone's still sitting here listening, I salute you. I salute you. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed us hearing us moan um, even more than we did last week. Um, not really much more to say apart from if you are still listening, uh, thank you very much. Hope we you appreciate you. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we get some form of result against Dundee. Uh, not sure when we'll be back. It's a bit of a tight spot between uh, Dundee and Hibs, but we'll try and get something out there. I, I reckon we could squeeze one in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll sort something out. Uh, yeah, so see you soon, hopefully midweek, and hopefully after some kind of good result. Goodbye.